Hey there, welcome back everyone. This is the Flowtrack Podcast. I am Kevin Sully. He is Gordon Mack. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube page. Usually Wednesdays are slow, but because of the Boston Marathon, this Wednesday is going to be very busy. We put off a lot of stuff we were going to discuss on Monday, moved it to Wednesday. So we are going to do our best to get through this big run through this big list of agenda items that we have. Gordon, good morning. How are you doing? Doing great. My Sixers are up to nothing. Game three is tonight. Prove all the naysayers wrong. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, it's been good. Uh, Boston Marathon was fun. Enjoyed uh, doing a three-hour podcast with you on Monday. Uh, mm-hmm. Excited for this weekend. There's not much track going on this weekend. It's kind of a low key weekend with uh, a couple of college meets here and there. Uh, but mm. obviously next weekend is massive with Penn Relays, Peyton Jordan, all that good stuff throw, going down. Um, we're mm. actually going to be in Philadelphia next weekend, so that should be fun. And uh, yeah, getting ready to start itching towards the summer where we start getting excited for Worlds and USAs and NCAs. Mm-hmm. My second trip ever to the city of Brotherly Love and my first trip ever to Penn Relays. I'm very excited. Countdown is on, Gordon. Uh, um, put questions in the chat if you're watching live on YouTube. We also wanted to update people. We're not going to go into the Boston Marathon today because we did that three-hour pod. <laughs> also, This Week in Track, I devoted the entire This Week in Track episode. That's right, Gordon. The entire seven-minute episode was about the Boston Marathon. I did eight takeaways. So. People want more Boston Marathon opinions, thoughts, analysis. You can go there. Also on the site, as of this morning, a new workout Wednesday. Ole Miss, Gordon, you picked this one. You said we got to do Ole Miss. Yes, we got the video here. Let's put up the video. You got to work out with the Ole Miss Smilers. Show that on the screen. Um, where is that? There it is. Boom. Uh yeah, with Mario Garcia Romo, fresh off his indoor mile championship win. The DMR didn't do as well as we thought they would at NCAAs, but they still had a good showing in the mile. They had a good showing in the 800. John Rivera ran well. Tyrion Corcoran ran well. Uh, and they're going to be one of the favorites to win the DMR, win the 4 by mile at Penn Relays, which is going to be exciting. I mean, when you have a buttload of of sub four milers and a buttload of sub 148, 800 meter runners, you're going to have a good four by eight. You're going to have a good four by mile. And so it's pretty exciting to check out what they're doing in Oxford, Mississippi, and uh, be able to see them put all their hard work to fruition in Philadelphia when they go up against the likes of Notre Dame, all the Northeastern schools like the Georgetowns, Villanovas will be there. Uh, It's going to be exciting. Yeah, they are incredibly deep. And it's a long workout, too, a longer session. So check that out uh, on the YouTube page or on the site. Workout with the Ole Miss Men's Mile Squad. We got a new pickup contest this week, Gordon, that I think this one's going to go to plan. I don't think there's going to be any weird stuff with people dropping out or races not happening. I, I am confident this week's pickup contest is going to go off flawlessly. Well, we say that, but every time apparent someone has pointed out that all of our pickup contests, whenever we pick the result of a certain athlete, that result either DNFs or DNSs. So we're going all in again on another result. This time, 
Oregon men, well, I guess former Oregon men, um, Cole mm-hmm. Hawker, Cooper Tier, Matt Wisner, and um, James West attempted to break the four by mile world record. Ironically, a week out before the Penn Relays attempt at the world record. Well, so they'll, maybe they'll reset what the mark is and then on Athletics Club will go out there and, and shatter Oregon's mark, which would be great. Um, but yeah, two questions. First question, mm-hmm. will they, won't they? Will they break the world record of 1549? And then mm-hmm. second question is, who of those four will have the fastest mile split? Tier, Hawker, mm-hmm. West, or Wisner? All you guys say, if you out there and you pick Wisner to have the fastest mile split, that's a, that's a great I love setting. it. I, I would go. I, would, I love it. I appreciate that. Well, maybe he's going to run first, and maybe that's when they're going to have a rabbit in the race. So who maybe, knows? Yeah. yeah, I'm going with, for the fastest split, I'm going with Cooper Tier, just because I feel like he'll be able to go quicker alone, assuming he's going to be alone, and I'm assuming Cole Hawker's going to be alone that was my mentality but yeah i think they're gonna get it now this is one of those weird things world record world best the fastest time in history is 1549 set by a team from ireland in 1985 that had eamon coughlin marcus o'sullivan frank o'mara and ray flynn so there's some legends on that team he doesn't get run that often though we're in a new era so i definitely think that that this mark will be broken i could see uh like a 1547 1545. Yeah, I feel like the market gets broken when they when you try. Like mm-hmm. we just haven't had a lot of four by miles where you try to break the record. We have a four by we all of our four by miles, which are predominantly done at Penn. You're just trying to win. You're not trying to run mm-hmm. fast. And so these Cooper Tier and Cole Hawker can easily cruise to a three fifty seven each. Like jogging, they do that in workouts probably. And if you just do that, and two other guys are running three fifty eights, then you're breaking the record. So if Cooper and Cole are trying and they're running three fifty twos, then it becomes mm-hmm. even way easier. I mean, there's a chance they could break this record with on their legs running over four minutes. Like I think that's possible. Here are the splits. This is what Ireland ran: four flat, three fifty five three. 355.6, and then 356.98. So essentially a 357. So a four, a 357, and two 355s. I think that's definitely replicable with this group. Yeah. Not easy, but it's replicable. And I think the bet here is, the bet here here is that you're going to get a nice little cushion from Tier and Hawker. You're going to get them running faster than 55. Yeah. I mean, we talk about there's breaking four now doesn't mean anything, right? It's now about breaking 355. And in that era where 359 isn't really that big of a deal, there means like they're going to run much faster than that. They're not going to go all out and run 359. They're going to go all out and run 354, 353, mm-hmm. maybe even 352. So mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think it's set up for them to do it. However, I think in my prediction contest, did I say they would not do it? Let's, pull, let's pull it up here. Thank you. You're, you're zigging I'm, on your own zag. This is why. I'm zigging on my own. But this is, how you, this is how you win. This is how you win. You, 
you talk up one way and then you go the uh-huh. other. And that's what I just did. I <laughs> talked up that they could do it, but then I'm going opposite. So I'm going with the no and you're going with the yes. Yeah. What do you think of the idea of this race? The fact that it's happening when it's happening? I mean, everyone, I mean, there was some people on the internet who were very uh, astute with why are you doing this race when a week later there's another four by mile world record attempt? Why don't you actually yeah. race each other for the fans? Um, but I think they're doing it because what is it in for former Oregon athletes who train at Oregon to go to Penn Relays when they could go promote their own meet, the Oregon Relays? And, you know, mm-hmm. like it's all about just promoting your own event as opposed to promoting the sport. This is not about promoting track and field. It's about promoting the Oregon relays. And there's no incentive for these guys to go to Penn. They're like, they, they're going to care about their own home first. So that's why it's happening. Yes. It sucks because we would love to see all the greats, right? We love to see Bowerman track yeah. club put together a four by mile. We love to see, you know, Pete Julian's group put together a four by mile, but we don't get, you don't, that's just, our sport is not as an individual sport where mm-hmm. the incentive to collaborate for the greater good of mm-hmm. competition is just not there. There's no mm-hmm. collaboration clause in any of these contracts that these pros write. Yeah. The only clause is be top three at worlds, be top three at USA's. That's the only thing and break mm-hmm. a record. That's the only, those are the three things that matter. The rest is window dressing. If you feel like it, it's basically, you know, this, we like, it's like, it's basically like when, uh, professional basketball players or football players stay an extra year. Most of the time they're staying an extra year out of the, the, the good of their heart as opposed to doing what they should do, which is go pro. I think about Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow probably should have gone in the draft earlier, but he stayed for the extra year because he just liked football. He was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stay in Florida. But the right move is to go get, get paid. Like I would love for Zion Williams to stay in college for four years, but it's not going to happen. But if Zion Williams became this weird dude who really loved the sport of basketball, really love college athletics and he could be like, whatever, I'm going to be great for four years. I want to enjoy the Duke experience for four years. Fans want that. Duke fans want that. College basketball fans would love that. But Zion needs to make a decision for himself financially, not a decision for the, the fun greatness of watching college basketball, which is why people like Zion Williams go pro right away and they don't stay in college four years. This situation, Cooper and Cole Hawker, it would be great if they could think about the viewers and care about what we want and put on a Mm -hmm. great show, but that's not what is written in their Nike contracts to put on great shows. It's written in their Nike Mm -hmm. contracts to make teams and just live in a box until you're needed to perform, which sucks because our sport's individualized and it's just... You need I just thought it was funny. Go above and beyond. They put, yeah. Well, you need a commissioner. You need a commissioner to say, hey, 
there's these couple meets that you're required to do or each athlete, you know, we are setting up this year at the beginning of the year, there's going to be a four by mile and these people have to participate, but there's just no ability to make that actually happen. Yeah. I just thought the tweet, right. The, the, the tweet was getting a little chesty there when they were saying like, we, we reached out to all these pro teams, right. Uh, I haven't gotten any takers, but it's like, they're posting this in, you know, the, a few days before the meet, right? This isn't like January 1st, calling all teams, come to yeah. the Oregon Relays to run to the four by mile. And there's already these established relay meets that exist, 10, a week later, break, et cetera. There's not like this long history of tradition of Oregon Relays four by miles that we all should have known about. Everyone is like ducking the competition. I also think you got all those groups right in your backyard. You got OTC Elite. You got Bowerman. You got Union Athletics Club. And those are all Nike-affiliated groups. So if they can't be convinced to go there, how are you going to get these outside groups, other shoe sponsors in different locations to show up? I mean, those groups are two hours away. So it goes to your point about lack of collaboration. If you, you can't even get those entities on the same page, how are you ever going to broaden it and go wide? I will say, shout out on the graphic. I like this graphic. Let's zoom in. Um, you got the flyer tape to the lamppost look, which I like. And then on the bottom where it's normally the phone number, right? For I, I do dog walking or I can help move out of your, help you move out of your apartment. And then it has the phone numbers at the bottom. They have the time. Now, I don't know if this was a real flyer, how many people would have even associated that with the time? It's not a real Eugene, flyer. They, it is not they, a real They flyer. probably would have been confused. I know, but I'm saying if it was, Gordon, allow oh, okay. me to, uh, uh, allow me to uh, live in fantasy land for a little bit. Theater I don't think they the would mind. have been like, oh. Theater of the mind. Yeah, Gordon, not an improv, Colt. You'd never be able to tell. More of a stand-up guy himself. Um, also, they're all wearing Oregon jerseys. What do you think about that? Yeah, it seems like they're not in college. Like they're like pretending. Like I was like, wait, are these guys? Is like James West still eligible in college? I was like, no, wait, no, he's pro. I don't know, is Matt Wisner in college or is he done? Thought he was done. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Wisner is like a fifth year senior. I don't know. It was kind of interesting. They're like, let's just pretend it's Oregon College, and I was like, it's not. They're it's Nike. It was kind of interesting, you know. Yeah. This uh Nuts. this reminded me of uh those fake billboard tweets that you know certain colleges do. Like LSU always puts up a fake billboard Twitter tweet mm. with like we put Mondo on a billboard and it's like no you didn't. You photoshopped a graphic of him on a billboard canvas photoshopped. Hey, and pretend hold it was on a though. Hold on though. We saw a real billboard next to a real college team not too long ago. And I saw yeah, my own eyes, did. and I know it's real. A&T legit has a billboard right next to their campus, and yeah. it's awesome. This photo, this um, is not a real billboard. Look at that. That's Oregon. That is photoshopped. Oregon does billboards around the, around the town. I've seen those as that well, is, too. That's photoshopped. You're on this bill, you've been on this billboard crusade. Well, at least they're less ambitious. They're like, hey, we're just going to photoshop a flyer on a lamppost. That, that's where we're going. The other thing I liked about it, calling all, calling all takers, is if there's four just people walking around Eugene who are like, hey, I think we could go 1549. You think we could do yeah. it? 
So let's get all the frat brothers together and go out to Oregon Relays on Saturday night and see if we can do it. Um, yeah, I would what love to see them race on. I'd love to see them race Brooks. I'd love to see them race BTC. Like, there's just any number of groups out there that you'd love to see them race. So it's it's cool that they're doing it because I'd rather have them race than not race. But then you also then you start thinking, well, they're going to race. They might as well race each other. What are we doing? Yeah. But I'm not going to get all bent out of shape for them not doing this because this is like such a small issue with the sport that I'm not going to be like, oh, get all up in arms. It's like, wait, you're mad about this? You should be mad about every like a lot more than the fact that they're running a, a four by mile the week before the, another four by mile. I mean, mm-hmm. it. we just saw the this past weekend, speaking of like, fake world records we saw the new balance women do like a fake world record in the dmr on their indoor track at the new balance track like that's not real for the sport of track and field where you're just seeing um who who was it uh heather mclean uh l perrier just and uh, a high school kid rosin roshin willis do a indoor dmr world record now it's cool but it was it's not real racing they're just like they're just time trialing and it's there's not really that much excitement to it because we just saw world record it's like these world records in these weird events they're not real it's just a bunch of american people making world records on the spot you know because it's easy it's not like breaking the 1500 meter world record or the 100 meter world record or the mile or like all these like established people have been trying to run this event for every year forever how many people how many pros are putting together a dmr it's never competed so it's not real same thing with the four by mile they're not real but they're fun and i'm not gonna shit on it because it's fun to watch world records so i'm not gonna be a little baby like eh, get back to me when you win a olympic gold medal no but our sport sometimes likes to pretend that these world records are equal to other world records. You're muted. Muted, Kevin. Sorry. Should indoor races in April be banned? I'll hang up and listen. Yes. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? (laughs) All right, let's talk about other stuff then. Uh, Mount Sac. What was your big takeaway? We had... That epic 200, Coleman didn't end up running it, ran a relay leg instead, but we still got Norman Curley and Rye Benjamin. It was the last event of the day for the Golden Game section. Curley wins it in 1980. Comes from behind to get Norman just before the finish line, who ran 19.83. Yeah, I mean, takeaway is Curley continues to establish himself as the guy um i am starting to get a little i'm not sure i mean curly will know his body better than we will but it seems like he is the only one out there just like hammering race after race after race with his he ran his fast 400 then he ran a a sub 10 then he ran a 20 flat and now he's running this 19.8 and it's not even may yet and he's just running times that people typically are running in June, July, August. Uh, now, it just could be his talent is so good that he doesn't know how to run any slower or take his time because he's planning on running much faster in a few months. 
But uh, yeah. we're, we're, it's not normal to see all these quick times from a sprinter this early in the season on consecutive weeks the way Curly's doing it. Um, I mean, but, hey, four races. It's four races. Let's put it in perspective. But it's if he was races. still at A&M, he would have run three four-by-fours and four 400s by now if he was in college. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Let's but not like, discourage people from racing a bunch. I like no, it. I, I don't want to discourage people, again. But, like, typically, the top sprinters don't run this fast this early. They typically... Well, I mean... They may run this early, but they're not run... They're, like, they run 20-0 multiple times. And then, once they get to June, July is when they start running their 19-9, and then all of a sudden they, they pop their 19-5 in September. I'm just know, saying, though. that's typically the progression. Norman, Norman ran... Norman ran 43-4 at this meet. Now, maybe that's not the best example because that season didn't end well for yeah. him. But did it not end well because he was that fast that early? I think we always get into this trap of being like, oh, that's too fast, too soon. But then there's never any accountability because th at the end of the season, it's not like we go back and be like, oh, yeah, I was wrong. Like, they ran too fast, too early. You remember the people who it doesn't work out for at the end, but I don't, I think we forget a lot of times the people where it does work. Like they were fast in the beginning, fast in the middle of the season and fast in the end of the season. They just had it right. Um, I think Curly obviously has a decision to make. He said he's not doing all three, which is a bummer. I saw that in the post-race interview. So I don't know if it's going to be, you know, one, two or what the combination is going to be, but he's got options. He's got options. He's clearly figured. He's clear. That's what I would be inclined to believe at this point. He he has um, any sort of issue he had with the two is now gone. Yes. Remember it's last year out. he was trying to he was trying to figure it out. He didn't make the the team in the two. That was a tough team to make though. But then post Olympics and then early twenty twenty two, he's clearly figured it out. I think this was a win win though. Then this was a good race for Michael Norman, nineteen eighty three. Yes. Getting caught at the very end after the season that he had last year, the back half of the season. I mean, this was probably his best race since winning the trials in 2021 in the 400. If you go back and look at his races, it's been a while since he had one that he could really feel this good about. He ran some hundreds post Olympics, ran some fast times, won one of those races. Yeah. But going toe to toe with Curly. And just losing it at the very end, even though he did lose and running 83, I think is a good sign for Michael Norman. I think that's positive yeah. momentum for him. I agree. And when he juxtaposed this performance with like what Randolph Ross did this past weekend, Randolph Ross ran like a 45 point. So you didn't like go out and run the quick. You're like, I'll take Norman over Ross right now. Even though I was kind of leading really? on Ross based off the indoor season, I think I would. I think 1983 for Norman's, I would put him over Ross right now. Cherry though, which we'll get into, he ran pretty well today. So, yeah, Norman, like we just this. The thing with Norman is he was so exciting and young when we, he came onto the scene, and we're like, this is the guy. This is our Lashawn Merritt. This is the next great you know michael johnson type uh he literally has his name michael uh type athlete <laughs> and then like he just he just had like 
whether it was an injury or just a bad season, back to back to back, and you're kind of like, you don't want to believe in him anymore, right? So now you're kind of more hesitant to like put all your chips on Norman as the top 400-meter guy for the U.S. because mm-hmm. you just kind of been burned a couple, too t- couple many times. But maybe Michael Norman is the Giannis Antetokounmpo where mm-hmm. you're getting knocked out in the first round a couple times. You're, you're getting yeah. eliminated by the Miami Heat, you know, in the bubble. And then all of a sudden, you're like, it's my time to shine. You take over and you win the NBA title. Maybe 2022 is Michael Norman's Milwaukee Bucks of 2021. He had this feeling of inevitability in the same way Lyles did in the early part of 19 because his 18 was so good. He runs the 43, 45, uh, but then loses to Curly at trials. And you're like, okay, that was kind of weird. How, how did that happen? But they both run fast. And you're just like, all right, well, maybe he'll get it back. Because the idea, the expectation was, I always link Norman and Lyles together because of 2016 when they were in high school and they made that 200-meter final and they were just so excited to be there and they had so much potential. And the expectation or the thought with them was from the outside and maybe from internally too was the, they're not just going to win, but these are going to be people who break American records. These are going to be people who – carry the torch of American sprinting to the next generation and make a whole bunch of teams, win a bunch of gold medals, again, rewrite the record book. But there's something in between that and then what we've seen. Because he could go back, he could just win gold. You know, he could run 43-5. He maybe even doesn't need a PR again, and he could still win gold medals. That's a possibility, too. But I think... For, for Norman, just getting uh, a solid 200. I and mean, what's his 200 PB? 19.7. So he wasn't too far off of his personal best. He lost to, I don't even know where you put Curly in the 200 meter rankings, but I get the feeling with Curly, you could throw anybody out there and he would be able to be, finish in the top three. You could put like an all star 200 field out there with like Bolt, <laughs> Michael Johnson, Curly would be able to still get top three. Um, so I think he has to feel good about it. I think this is positive momentum. But I want to see a 400 first. I want to see a 400 first before I'm completely bought back in. Okay. So good races, I think, for Curly and Norman. Benjamin, that's solid, 2001. He's a 400-meter hurdler. Okay. Christian Coleman was originally on this start list. So there was a situation where Coleman told them, I will run your 200-meter dash. And then he says, no, I changed my mind. I'm going to run a four-by-one. Mm-hmm. So he didn't say, I'm hurt. I can't run a 200. Why do you think Christian Coleman pulled out of the 200? Did he pull out of the 200 because he didn't want to get smoked by Fred Curley? I mean, he had run 200s this year, right? Yeah. Did, did he not want Curley and Norman to, like, beat him? Well, that's what I don't get, though, because you'd think – he signed up for the race knowing who was in exactly. the race. Don't you think? This well, isn't like not. signing up for an all-comers meet where you just put your name in and then you show up at the start line and you look to your left, you look to your right. Like, oh, they're in the race? So, I don't know. I never got an answer. Like, there was never, that I saw in the post-race interview, uh, a question directly 
about that. But, but you just said before, you... but hold on though. You just said before about people running too fast, too soon, getting too much on them too early. And maybe, maybe it's not even about losing. I mean, that could be part of it. But maybe it's just about that pressure, right? And you know how competitive you are, not wanting to put that extra tiny percentage of strain on your body, trying to beat people like Curly and Norman. I just think if you're willing to fly 3,000 miles to run a four-by-one split, that's, like, kind of insane, in my opinion. Like, who crosses the country 3,000 miles to run a four-by-one split when you – like, because he booked that flight with the run he, – he originally was flying 3,000 miles – to run a 200 but he mm-hmm. so badly did not want to run that 200 against norman and curly he was like i'm willing to say that my purpose of coming to this meet my purpose of flying 3,000 miles was to jog a four by one like there was no need for him to there was no need for him to be at that meet he could have done exactly what he did in a practice but you, you could say the same thing about everybody doing one but no, you, you can, get value no, in a say- no, I didn't get value in a four by one. Why? Why do they all do it then? Like you had that Florida Relay situation where you had Holloway, Knighton, DeGrasse was running. There was a lot of big names running Florida That's Relays. Di- or sorry, well, not, one not di- Florida Relays. The difference uh, there Tom is Jones. they all live there. They're all like, yeah, there's agents out in LA. I mean, you get an excuse to go out to LA. No one's going to complain about hanging out in LA. I mean, I, I, I think, think you're, I think you're overestimating. Uh, air air travel in the year 2022. A couple hour flight on a plane is not that big a deal. He's got miles. He's not probably he's hours. probably sitting in business code class. Yeah, Atlanta or what, Kentucky to LA. Again, right. it would make sense if Four, he was hours. flying across. The, it would make sense if he's flying across the country to match up with Michael Normans, a Rye Benjamins, a Fred Curleys. But he flew across the country to run by himself in a four by one. That makes no sense. Why are you doing that? If you're going to fly across the country, fly for a reason, and that reason be, I need to go up against the best in the world, and they're all there. Not, I need to go run a rinky-dink 4 by one Like, not enough people are talking about that. Like, this isn't like a 4 by one at a college in his backyard where it's like, all right, whatever, where you just hop into a college meet. That makes sense. Because, like, no harm, no foul. Why, though? No, 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 no. But why? Why does that make more sense? The reason you're saying it makes sense is one is closer versus – being yes. farther away 100 percent. i'm yeah, not gonna fly he all the... he could have been there imagine... for a... but i'm right what Col- coleman is doing it would be like you went to hawaii right and i was like oh i gotta do my podcast with kevin in person so i'm gonna fly all the way to hawaii to do a one-hour flow track podcast with you and you'd be like that was not worth the trip now i could justify it because i'm in hawaii and i'm having a good old time but say I went home for Christmas. Well, that's what I'm saying Ke- with LA. No, that's Kevin, what I'm saying right. with LA. You get to go Kevin, to no, LA. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, say Christmas. I did a podcast from my parents' house. Would you fly to my parents' house to do the podcast with me? I don't think this is. Would you? Would you? You wouldn't. Situation. You would not do it because you'd be like, that's not worth the flight. I'm Why saying, what did he end up running? Do you want a four by one? I'm saying, what did he end up running? Not where did he run it? He ended up running a four by one, which is what a lot of people ran last week. So if we're going to ding him, you got to ding a lot of other people who run in four by one, but um, you also right. got to give credit. No. 
on the, you got to give credit on the flip side to the people who actually did show up and ran the invita- uh, the the individual event. You got to give credit to people like Curly, Norman, and Benjamin. Yeah, I never did give credit. But just because it's because he had to go on a longer flight to run a four by one, I don't give him more credit than someone who got hopped in their car two hours to to. What do I care about how they got there? No, no, you, I care who they're racing. About. I'm saying there's it's a it's a negative to fly three thousand miles for a four by one. That is for who? That's bad energy. That's bad energy in my for mind. who? For who? But yeah, it's like it, it shows that, weakness. That impacts us. Shows weakness. Oh, weakness. Come on. Come on. It does. Come on. It does. People in the chat agree with weakness? me. Weakness. People in the chat agree with me. The, I'm not even looking at the chat. Is, but I just know they agree with me. The point is, you. <laughs> that's a top tier. Point move is, you right ran there. a four. That's a top tier move. The chat agrees with I'm me not without looking. looking. The... Yeah, that's so yeah. good. <laughs> that's like Steph. That's like Steph shooting the three and then turning away. I'm just saying, no, okay. like, you, it, it, it's it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, I'm like, what? Like, if you imagine like flying to a diamond league and being like, oh yeah, I'm just going to run a a relay split. Well, it makes no sense. Yeah, listen, no, let me be clear. Let me be clear. I wish he ran. I think he should have run. I think it would have been yeah. way better for the fans. He should have That's ran. what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. But I think a lot of these people should be running individual events. And I don't think the fact that he was geographically farther away and then did a four by one changes the result versus somebody who could drive to a four by one down the street and run a four by one. Cause they're still not running races that are individual races that are heads up competition. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to ding him extra points because he flew there. You're talking about it showing weakness and all this stuff. I think the end result is you look on look on the look on World Athletics. There's no 200 time from him. That's the end result. Fred Curley's up there. Michael Norman's up there. He's not there yet. That's the end result. That's the end result. It's not doesn't have anything to do with where the track is located and how many miles he had to use to get there. Don't care about that. I just know right now in my U.S. rankings, Fred Curley's number one. Uh-oh. U.S. Uh, rank Fred Curley's fastest, fastest hundred meter runner in the country over Christian Coleman. I had Coleman oh, in the number one coming off of indoors, but this is enough for me to say Fred Curley. He's got it. He's number one. Coleman's using number this, two. Using the scientific method there. I mean, Coleman's Love probably not it. even going to run the USA's. Coleman's just going to run four-by-ones and rinky-dink college meets until Worlds. No, he'll run pre. Got to run pre. He's got to? You don't have to do anything. Nike. Nike. Well, he can go and be like, hey, I got to do another four-by-one. I mean, maybe he'll run it, maybe he'll run it too. It's I don't know. Christian four-by-one Coleman is my new nickname. I want, I want you to tell me what the limit is. Like, how far is someone allowed to fly for a four-by-one? You should send that out. You're not allowed to fly anywhere for just a four by one. Nobody's allowed to fly anywhere for a four by one. Well, you got unless it's like the world championship. Unless it's the world championship because that's your relay you're on, or you're on a college team. So you're only allowed to drive as a pro. You can only drive to four by ones. Correct. Hundred percent. What if it's a? What if you have like access to a private jet somehow? Then can you run a four by one? Track and field athletes have access to private jets. 
maybe they know a guy. I'm just saying, like hypothetically, maybe they're able to hitch a ride with somebody. Uh, yeah, then say. yes. Are you allowed then, to then? Okay. That, you know, Usain Bolt can do whatever he wants. So yeah, if you're Usain Bolt, you can do whatever you want because you're just partying on the track. But if you're not Usain Bolt, you do not have the luxury to fly for four by ones. You can run a four by one, but you have to do an individual yeah, event and do the four by one. No, you, you can can't fly, fly and do a four by one, but you have to do an individual event as well if you're going to do that. So if he would have ran the 200 and the four by one, then I'll be like, all right, okay. but he didn't. He scratched. Right. I just want to be straight. He scratched the two. I want to be. I want to be straight with this, so we're clear. I want everybody to know what the rule is now, as invented by Gordon. You cannot, as a pro, you cannot fly for just a four by one. You can only Correct. run a four by one if you drive there. Correct. Okay. I mean, elsewhere at the Mount Sac relays. <laughs> what else we got? Uh. Women's two, Gabby Thomas got the win. Um, she also ran the 100, where she got third. Tonisha Terry won that 100. 10.77 fast, plus 3.3, but still uh, a solid mark for her. Men's 100, Makai Williams, wind-aided, uh, 9.83. Um, and then men's four, you mentioned before, another 44-second run for Michael Cherry. So let's go. First of all, Cherry keeping that 400 meter streak, love it. Um, the you know, Kenny Ben Kenny B ran his 45.3. That's pretty good for where you know being a 200 meter guy. Uh, I think Cherry. I'm really tempted to think Cherry is the guy over Norman and Ross, because uh, like even though Norman did run well, Cherry though 44.2. It's not like he ran out there and ran 44.9. He ran 44.2. That's pretty. Getting mm -hmm. close to 43. That's a really good season opener. 44-2, whew, that's quick. Um, and Randolph Ross, he ran a 45 at the at a I think a Florida meet. So um, mm -hmm. I'm I'm leaning I'm more leaning now towards Cherry. I remember I put him on the is he a Lashawn Merritt or Tony McQuay? He's getting closer closer to a Merritt right now. Uh, we do got to talk about our boy Elias Garcia though, the mm -hmm. mythical 988 man. He ran 1011, which is not that bad made, in the hundred. Made the final. Made the final. Runs ten eleven in the final. He like beat Raymond Ikwebo. Excuse me, former Florida athlete who's good. Aaron Brown. I think he ran at USC. He's pretty good. Uh, he was in it. I mean, right half a point oh one behind Kyrie King. Kyrie King has made world teams on the four by one. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he still has a lot of work to do, but hey. Yes, he did not run 988, and we knew that. But he's basically a – he's a – well, he is. He's a 10 – he's probably going to run 1007, 1006 this year is going to be his final time, yeah. which is legit. You know, I mean, it's not 98 like Michael Williams yeah. is doing, but, you know, it's legit. Yeah, and to even make the final, he had to beat some big names. He ran 1017 in the prelim, which was win legal, so I was just off his PB, and then he goes – um, and get six in that final. Yeah, I mean, this just confirms what we thought. Not 988, but fast. And that, he said last year he was... I'm not 988, but I'm fast. I'm, I mean, that's... The, the reality is that the two tenths there in between 988 and the 10-1, that's a whole world of difference. And that's where he's at right now is 10-1. 
But a great story. He he was working the meet last year. He was working at the Mount Sac Relays, and now he's running it and making the hundred meter final. So, That's pretty cool story for him. And uh, yeah, congrats, congrats to him. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Garcia fan. I want him to do well. I want him to f- find a way to make the U.S. final. That'd be cool. What if like yeah. Garcia finds a way to make a U.S. final? Weird things happen. He finishes sixth, and all of a sudden he's on the four by one. Like that'd be wild. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it could happen. Um, should mention Dos Santos in that 400 ran a big PR, throwing 44 and change. Uh, look out, look out for him. He's going to run against Rye Benjamin soon in the four meter hurdles. I don't think we're going to see Benjamin Warholm before World Championships, which is a bummer. Obviously, I want to see that seven, eight times this year. But Dos Santos Benjamin is going to be is going to be good. Um, let's see. Those women's hundreds. It's pretty. I mean, Terry and seven. I know. Was, I know it was windy, but that's pretty good. Oh, and then Elaine Thompson ran the prelim. All right, well, hold on. How long are you allowed to fly to just run a prelim? What's the rule there? Um, um, I, I had bicycle I, only I was, <laughs> when, when I saw Lane Thompson Harad not run the final, I did get a little annoyed. I was a little, I was ready to give her the same energy I'm giving Christian Coleman right now. But I'm willing to give Elaine Thompson Harad the benefit of the doubt because she probably signed up for this as like I'm coming mm-hmm. here to run the hundred. Yeah. And not expecting Mount Sac relays to turn this into like everyone and their mom gets to run the 100. So we're doing two rounds. And the final. I think uh, you should not be expected to run heats. I think what they should have done, this is what I think what they should have done. Elaine Thompson Hurrah should have saw the start list and she should have yeah. called the meet director and be like, you know who I am. My name is Elaine Thompson Hurrah. <laughs> I am not running your fucking prelim. Put me in the final. And that's what they should have done. They should have said, Elaine thompson Raw. she should have told them, I'm only running one race. Yeah. So just put me in the final. And that's what they should have done. I wonder if you could get more takers. Now, this would go against Trax's egalitarian ethic here, right? Just belief that we're all equal, got to make your way in. But what if you just held two spots? Yeah. And then the other, other six have to run in. I wonder if you'd get more takers in some of these hundreds where there's heats and final. Now, a lot of people like it because it gets them ready for the championship part of the season. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to impact a huge group of people, but it would have been fun to see Thompson hurrah in that final. She didn't even lean, though. She was totally yeah. on cruise control, and the time would have been windy, but you'd think she'd probably get – she would have gone in the 10 sixes already. I think yeah. you're partially upset about this. Cause I set the over under at 88 and went over and she ran 89 and uh, that was my only good prediction of the last, she would have ran 10 set. She would have ran 10 seven. If, if yeah. she was just only in the final. And I think yeah. the meet director should, I think Elaine Thompson Ron one should have communicated. I'm running one race. She knew she wasn't running no final. Well, she was going to, well, that's what I'm saying. So she should have told them, there I'm just be... running one race guys. Do you want me in the final? Or you want me in a prelim? And then they could have solved right. it. And there should have been, yeah, that it would be cool to have that level of communication. And there's certain athletes out there that you would do it for. And there's certain athletes out there that you wouldn't do it for. You know, you'd say, Ooh, who are you an Elaine Thompson hurrah? Or are you a, yeah, exactly. Are, are you a are you, what? 
I mean, you wouldn't do it for even though Sharika Jackson's a bronze okay. bronze medalist. I don't think you'd do it for Sharika Jackson, right? I'm trying to get you, you to name a name. I was just trying to get you to yeah. name a name. It wouldn't yeah. be, but this is the thing though. Track, you know, it's about fairness, right? You you kind of treat everybody equally, even though people always immediately focus in on the times when some some rule was misapplied. And I'm saying that happens quite a bit. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but if this was other sports, they'd be like throwing money at Shakari Richardson. Just be like, hey, can you run anything here? A hundred? You you can start at the twenty meter mark and then run the hundred. <laughs> can can you do that? Like they they would if it was another sport, they would just figure out a way to get the stars there. So you'd say, hey, yeah. if you had Shelly Ann, if you had Elaine Thompson Roth, you had Shakari Richardson, you you put them in a you do whatever you could to get them in your race, and then everybody else, you know, run in. You'd have to run your way into that race but that just goes against what what track is about but i wouldn't be mad at it i don't want to see that in championships yeah exactly it's not not championships yeah right but it's not a it's not a championship um all right the distance stuff ran a well hold on let me just run through it real quick to make sure i want to get to the hopple caught somebody at the end uh sanchez here on 147 i mean Ra- raven rogers though 150 uh 158 debut that was good look pretty was good. good yeah look look pretty good because so, we saw the situation she didn't run indoors except for that dmr right that was the only dmr, DMR sure. in, or the only race um which they ran that during the legal dmr section and you're allowed to fly to a dmr because it's not a four by one is that right that's fair no, that no, that's stupid too. Shouldn't fly the DMRs. Okay, no, so oh, that doesn't no. count. That doesn't count. Anyway, so let me start this over again. Rogers goes one fifty eight. We didn't see her individually indoors. We saw Aji Wilson. She was great. So I think what we have now is you know Rogers and Wilson both trying to close that gap to Keely Hodgkinson, and then there's that gap from Keely Hodgkinson to a thing Mo. Like right now, there's those those three tiers, and there's other people in the Wilson Rogers tier right now like natoya ghoul but rogers if she continues at the trajectory opening with the 158 maybe we see some some 56s this year some 55s yeah uh it was good seeing uh i'm i've been sick of seeing twos in the 800s i want to see some mm-hmm. ones i need some more sub twos so the fact that the women's 800 was a sub two finally. I was like, thank God. I'm sick of seeing two flats and two oh ones and two oh twos. We finally saw a sub two. And Ray Rogers looks good for him. Fifty eight, closing sixty. Looking pretty good. Um Sinclair Johnson, two oh one, good for her fifteen hundred meter strength. Sammy Watson, two oh two. Uh but I think we need we need to get to the meat of the weekend, man. We haven't even talked about it. We like Golden Games take over this pod. Well, you wanted to talk about take, take over. Yeah, you wanted to talk, talk about, about the college kids, man. For an hour, you got to talk right, about go the ahead. college kids. There were so many collegiate records that broke down. We had the uh, the men's four by four, Florida. They ran two fifty eight behind a, a, mm-hmm. a pro four by four team, which actually had a really interesting team. Had Grant Holloway, Arian Knighton. Quincy Hall and uh, who's the, who the fourth guy? 
400 meter guy. I can't believe I forgot his name. Steven Gardner. Yeah, Stephen Gardner. Uh, Stephen Gardner fans are gonna be upset that I forgot his name because I disrespect Stephen Gardner. Um, but oh, don't, that don't, that don't. was a, a wild four by four. Uh, seeing the, I mean, Florida just like they run two fifty eight, and it's like no one's talking about it. It's kind of wild how they're just mm-hmm. turning sub threes for college kids into just like yeah, we can average sub forty five across our four guys. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but that was an impressive uh, collegiate record. Then we had the the big one at Brian Clay. In the 1500, Ilya Kipsang. What do you think about that? I'll give uh, um, so people. You can I thought the... it didn't shock me. Brian Clay has been fast, and we talked about how quick he was last year. He'd be running, I mean, crazy times in prelims last year, and he, you know, had always that good competition with Hawker and with Yared Nagus. And in this race, he had he had some pros to chase, right? He ran down you know, Will Paulson at the end there. Um, but he's been good for a while. He hasn't had an NCAA title like moment. Like he's he's you know been in finals. Uh, he's been better in the regular season than he has in the championship part of the season. But yeah, this didn't. When I saw a headline, I was like, all right, that makes sense. But it was impressive to to run down Paulson. Like we're showing it now, this last two hundred meters, that's a pretty decent gap there. Yeah. And Brian Clay, I guess, is just is home for kickers. <laughs> if you want to kick somebody down, Brian Clay is the place to go because he was quite a ways back and, and he ran down the picture. Paulson, yeah, and he's looking behind. Maybe the home straight is just really long at Brian Clay. Maybe it extends throughout the, the race, and that's why. Because he gets him here right in the final two or three strides, clicks his watch as he finishes. But, yeah, 333 didn't surprise me. I mean, that's equivalent to what Hawker and Tier were running, you know, last year in, in the mile. So to have the collegiate record right at a, conversion, a converted 350 for the mile seems about right. What's your order of your 1500 right now? With Mario Garcia Romo, the mile champ, Kip Sang, the collegiate record holder, Yar Nagus, the defending 1500 meter mm-hmm. top finisher. He didn't, he didn't win, but yeah. he's top finisher. And then uh, Ayanis, the South Carolina kid who's run 335 last summer. Oh, Joy. Anis Isai. Um, yeah. I'm not going to pick against Abdi Hamid Nur. I'll go Nur one. I have him tripling. I'll. I'm gonna wait. Have we seen? Have we seen Nagus? No, Nagus has not run yet. Okay, so that concerns me. Ooh. If I had seen anything from him, I would go back to Nagus because I don't want to overreact to indoors. Just like I didn't want to overreact with bowling's result at indoors, and that proved to be true because now he runs sub ten. But I don't know. So not knowing, I'll, I'll go Garcia Romo one, and then Kip saying two, Nagus question mark. So the crazy thing about that, see, I kind of agree with that, but Garcia Romo lost to the South Carolina kid, yeah, like a week or two ago. So everyone has like a strength and a weakness, which makes that fifteen hundred meter final mm-hmm. gonna be really exciting because I think. 
all four of the well, the SEC finals gonna be wild because three yeah. of those four are gonna be in the SEC final and we're gonna get a lot of data from that race. But uh yeah, it's exciting to have another clear to record holder in the fifteen hundred. I feel like the mile and the fifteen hundred records are broken every other year. Nagoose broke it last mm. year. Now Kip Sane breaks yeah. it this year. It's just kind of wild. Um but that was cool. Now that was a good kick, but the best kick was also at that meet. Did you see this kick in real time or no? Talking about the men's 5K? Yeah, the men's 5K. Yeah, we talked about it on Friday's pod. Oh, we did? Yeah. Okay, so you talked about SECs. You talked about SECs. Um, I think we should figure out at one point which SEC final is going to be the most SEC final of all the SEC finals. Because men's 15 will be good, but you usually think about sprints. And when Favre Ophelia ran 21.96 in the two, you got to think between her and Steiner, it's going to take something special to win that race. And SEC teams, they don't really hold back at conference. They want to win that meet. I'm very excited about the women's too. Yeah. Ophelia running the collegiate record in the 200 in this year is kind of wild because she's running the collegiate record at the same time that we have someone at Abby Steiner who we know mm -hmm. is going to break it. And so she's breaking it right before it's about to get smashed, which is kind of wild. Similar how like the Oregon men are breaking this four by mile record yeah. right before on athletics will do it a week later. Um, but yeah, now I'm excited for that. LSU-Kentucky battle in that 200. Mm. The fact that Ophelia, 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 fourth time, got it wrong. Ophelia, the fact that she can run sub-22 just makes me think Abby Steiner's running 21, freaking seven or six. I think she's going to smash it, mm -hmm. whatever it becomes. <laughs> It also is weird because when – I don't know if you want to get into the Bowerman discussion. You usually don't like to talk about that. But it would be – say that the record – like say 2196 holds, but Steiner still wins NCAAs. Long shot of that happening. The, the record holding, not her winning NCAAs. It it's, it'd be weird for her to win Bowerman in a year when she doesn't get – someone else gets the collegiate record. It's kind of a strange thing. Yes, that would be weird. But, you know, Bowerman's notorious for doing weird things, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to believe that. But if other people have nominated... Um, Chaz, you're talking about Chaz, right? Uh, oh, they gave the Jerry Lawson over Chaz. I, that was a joke. Or I've already for, as long as I've known you. Improv. If people have... Ooh, all in the game says LSU now has the women's one, two, and four by one collegiate records. Um. If anybody else has a nominee for what the most SEC race is going to be, uh, let us know. Uh, we are taking nominations until that meet happens. I'm all in on the women's two collegiately. I'm all in the women's two for the U.S. And I'm all in the women's two internationally as well. Women's two is going to be awesome this year. All levels. If you have a chance to watch a women's 200, you should watch one. Because it's going to be exciting. You have... Again, Ophelia and Steiner. Then when you get to the U.S. level, Gabby Thomas, throw Steiner in there. All the other people, you know, Prandini, Tamara Clark, 
Navy of Battle, etc. And then internationally, obviously add in Thompson Hurrah, Razor Price, Mboma, Dean Asher Smith, Kambuji. Like the names go on and on and on and on and on. Loving the women's two this year. Big fan of the women's two. So it's not a flow track pod without talking about NAU. Uh, they did something very unique um, that we didn't talk about on, was it Friday night that they did this? Yeah. So there are top four guys, Abdi Hamid Nur, George Kush, Nico Young, and Drew Bosley. They run a fast 1500. Nur runs the school record, runs 336. Uh, very fast time. would be like second in the NCAA right now. Um, but they run that at 745 at Brian Clay in Azusa. Mm-hmm. And then they get into a car. They drive 20 minutes, well, 30 minutes with traffic, whatever, to Mount Sac Relays. And then they run a 5K at 10.30 p.m. at night. So they run two races at two different meets, all within less than a three-hour span mm-hmm. with, with legit times. I mean, they run their all-out 1500s, and then they basically all jog a 13.42 to qualify. Have you ever seen this happen where you see an athlete or a group of athletes compete at two different meets in the same day? Has that ever happened? And not just compete, but compete at a high level. They, they swept the, the 5K and mm-hmm. they ran extremely fast 1500s. I can't think of any, usually because there's not things located that close to each other that are going on. I mean, that's literally a 50. In terms of LA driving, that's a really easy LA drive. Boom, just hop on Grand Avenue. You don't even need to get on the freeway. You're, you're, you're there. So making it in under three hours is pretty straightforward. But yeah, I guess it speaks more to the fact of just the number of competitions that were available in this certain location. Do you think that they part of them thought, man, since we're driving, like we don't even need to do a 5K. Why don't we just do a 4 by one Like there's four of us, and Gordon says it's okay if we do a 4 by one Hey, man, you know I'm right on that take. You're, you're ruining the, the reaction to this segment by bringing up old news from the previous parts of the podcast. This is about yeah. Nura running 336, and they're putting four guys at 1342. I think they now have six guys yeah. who are now qualified mm-hmm. in, the, in the 5K. Um, it's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. But Nura's 336, that kick, combine that with we know what he can do in a 5 and a 10. Nur is, yeah. in my opinion, a heavy favorite to pull off the double. I was only kind of joking about I was only kind of joking about him in a fifteen hundred. I know he's not gonna run it, but if he were to run it, I wouldn't count him out. Yeah. It's like Cooper Tier in a fifteen hundred. Yeah. He's a five K guy, but well he ran a good mile indoors too. We didn't pay much attention to it because of all the other stuff he did indoors, but he ran a really good a really good mile. Um we didn't really talk about the men's hundred, though. Do you want to talk about that? Just as yeah. I'm interested in the women's too, the men's hundred NCAA level. So we talked about Makai Williams, nine eighty three plus two point five, but beats some solid names there. You had Matthew Bowling run nine ninety eight uh, legal, his first time sub ten legal, and then Devonte Burnett in another section at Mount Sac runs nine ninety nine wind legal. So you have three guys under ten seconds in the NCAA right now. I mean, even if you adjust Williams' time for the wind, he's still going to be well under a 10 seconds. Who are, you, who are you taking right now? Burnett, Bowling, Williams. 
I think this is gonna be my hot take. None of them. I'm taking none. I think the favorite is gonna be Williams. And I think the second and third favorite would be Bowling or Burnett. But I don't think I'm not I'm not on the Burnett train, even though he did win indoors. I don't know. I just think there's wild cards out there. I think Terrence Jones is a wild card, even though he did get beat by bowling. I still kind of he's a little bit he's 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 the wildest of wild cards. I think Sean Masanganwe, we're all forgetting. He did run 10-10, so he's moving up. He had a bad indoor season. But Masanganwe is an Olympian. He 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 can run a low nine he can run a low nines, in my opinion, uh, if he gets it together in the next few months. And then also Joseph Fambula is also a wild card. So I'm going with none. I think it's going to be a Masanganwe or Joseph Fambula show. That's what I'm looking. That's what I'm leaning on. But I mean, Masanganwe just lost by like two tenths to Burnett. Yeah, but Masanganwe, if you look I mean, at his progression, he's yeah, been he's like fair. he's been a little bit behind. He said he had a kind of a shitty indoor season, but what he ran, he got second last year, and. Yeah. He didn't break he this early last year. He ran ten eighteen, and now he's running ten eleven. So yeah, he got second last year to Terrence Laird by like twelve tenths of a second, and then two months later he gets second at NCAA's. So I think Sean Masanganwe is kind of thinking you know longer term. He's just not there yet. I think he's gonna. I think after uh, regionals, you're going to be like, ooh, yeah, I think Masagano is kind of maybe in the mix again. That's what I'm predicting. I think he's just slow to, to come to move up. All right, so. well, I'm taking Williams. I'm not going to overcomplicate it. He ran 6-4 indoors, had the false start. Last year outdoors as a freshman, third at NCAAs, and then goes on and gets fifth at the Olympic trials. Got no, yeah, he's definitely experience. the favorite. I agree I mean, with you. Williams is yeah, I don't want to over. I don't want to overcomplicate things. I think he would be, I, do. I don't know what your rankings say. Number one, is he number one on your rankings? On my rankings, he is. He should be, although those things, that's a fraudulent document, if not. Where do I have him? He's number two. I have Burnett, Burnett number one. one. Okay, Burnett. and that's fair. Yeah. And listen, that's fair. Burnett won the 60, and it's not his fault. People false started, and yeah. he goes sub-10. So Burnett is a worthy number one right now. I would pick Williams in a race right now between the two, but Burnett has looked pretty good. He's looked yeah. pretty good. I wanted to talk about one more race before we go, though. Um, the the, well, you the twin? About- you guys got to talk about no. the twin race. No, you can talk about no, that. No, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this. I want to talk about a fast time, though. But we can talk about that. Let's talk about this. is important. This is history, okay? We had twins, Sean and Scott Mason of Air Force. Click on the, click on the image so you can see the thing. Zoom out, whatever. They both run 14 flat point one four. Zoom out a little more so you can see the time. There it is. Twin brothers in the exact same race run the exact same time. That has never happened in the history 
of track and field. That is a moment. They need to frame this result, put it in the in the in a Smithsonian, track and field Smithsonian. But how do you do that? How do the twins pull off an exact same time? That's insane. Cross the You're not impressed by that? Time? What's that? Same heat? Same heat, same race, exact same time. That's kind of incredible. Was it was it was it planned? I'm guessing it was planned, right? Do you think the brothers planned to tie? No. Last thing you want to do is tie your brother. You want to beat your brother. I don't know. I didn't see the video of the race. Would you ever want to? I would never want to tie my brother. I would want to beat him, especially my twin brother. There's no <laughs> way they wanted to tie. They definitely, the last thing they wanted was a freaking tie. They wanted the, others, the other person to have a loss. And they freaking tied because they're twins. And it's insane. It's weird. It has this, you know, that thought where like twins can read each other's minds. Yeah. You know, we know yeah. twins can simulate exact same marks that's kind of wild i don't know i thought that was a crazy thing i twins i went to college and i ran with twins in college uh one ended up being a lot quicker than the other but when they first started running with us they were still getting into shape so they were in lockstep all the time and then we had trouble figuring out like who's going to be the faster one um and then one got quite a bit faster than the other one but they were both ahead of me, so they might as well have, like, way ahead of me, so they might as well have been running the exact same time. And when they were doing tempo runs or even even interval work, a lot of it, they were just in lockstep the entire time. And it had to be pretty intimidating for people who were up there trying to, trying to compete with them because there were two of them. Great runners, both of them. Yeah. Um, I want to see the, I want to see the video of this. I want to see the last hundred. Like if they're all out sprinting and... It yeah. Yeah. Versus if they're holding hands crossing the line, like you've seen that before, where people like cross the line together. I don't think they, twin brothers are holding hands crossing the line. That's not the way know. brothers are. The thing they're yeah. pushing, punching each other. So. All right. Can What's I? Can we talk about? Yes. I wanted to talk about Cherokee Young, and the people in the chat predicted it too because they started talking about. But that was literally who I was going to next on this thing. Uh, forty-eight eighty-seven at Tom Jones. Well, Remember forty-nine flat. 4987. <clears throat> she was 50 flat at the dual meet with Texas. So she's building up quite a resume here. Young is not just in terms of the NCAA, but where she sits on the world list. On the latest rankings, the world individual rankings, uh, I had Young in third behind Miller, Weibo, and Paulino. And I think that it's justified. You look at the marks that are coming in from all around the world so far, I think that's right where she's at. Now the question is going to be is with all these young 400-meter runners who are in the collegiate system is, can they hold it? The good thing is, worlds are easy, or early this year. Not easy this year. Worlds are early this year. And I know there's always talk about the schedule and how it impacts different types of athletes. You have to think that that's going to favor NCAA athletes. Now, some people tell you, well, you can come down and then come back up again, like what Holloway did in, in 19. He managed to win gold despite starting his season in January and his season ended basically in October. Um, but I think in this case, I think it's a good thing that it's going to be on a shortened time schedule. 
for people like Young. Yeah. I'll, I'll admit I was kind of a doubter on the Young train. I was off it. I wasn't on it. But anytime you see someone run a 49 anything, you have to, you have to believe it. And there's something mm-hmm. different about seeing 49, 9, and 50 flat. Because she ran literally 50 flat. And I was kind of like, yeah, it's another 50. Like, people run 50 flats. But now she's around 49s. She's only going to improve. Uh, she is definitely a wild card. Not, she's a world championship wild card now. Not just like a, what could she do at NCAAs or her national yeah. championships. But uh, I think there's a good chance that we could see an NCAA champion medal in the 400. Yeah. Yeah. So the other ones, let's see, we had a collegiate record in the women's hammer, uh, men's decathlon, Courtney Wayman ran 926, which is number three all time. And then uh, Moad Zahafi of Texas Tech, 143 in his first year at Tech. So he's a name. 143, man. Yeah, Brandon Miller was in that race too. Brandon Miller was finished like yeah. third or fourth. Well, it's got to be dispiriting when a guy flies by you looking like he just got tagged in to run the last two hundred, which is how Zahafi was running that last two hundred. Like he looked like he was in the wrong race. And I looked up his marks from last year before he came to Texas Tech. He ran oh, everything was between forty four and forty seven. And race after race after race, like he was locked into that. So the 43, it makes sense that he's able to do that. If he's a 43 type guy, it's going to be awfully hard for Miller and Jones and those other runners to, to keep pace with that. And that's just this tough part about the NCAA. It could be your time. And then someone like this comes in and then you realize, oh man, this is a different level. I'm not going to be able to get there yet. Now it's early. 800 is weird with the rounds, and maybe Miller can match that. Maybe he can, but it's not going to be a smooth path to a title outdoors. It's going to be tough. Yeah, it definitely is an unconventional finish for Miller, especially with the new expectation we were kind of putting on him after kind of easily won the 800 indoors. He's now thinking bigger things like making a U.S. team, which is very hard to do in the 800. I'm I'm siding on that there's something there was something off with him that race as opposed to be like he's losing it because he's so young. There's no way he's like I don't think he's losing it. Ver- yeah, I just think you're going you're going with a guy who's running 143. It's tough. But I also it's think tough. Brandon Miller was planning on running 143 in June. Like I don't think he was trying to be like a 144 guy this year. I think he was trying to be a 143 guy. So now that there is a 143 guy in your state, not yeah, not that they're, they run a state championship in college, but nearby in, in the NCAA, it's going to be more of a motivator because if the next best guy was a 145 guy, he probably runs 144.9 for the win. But now yeah. that yeah. he knows he needs to be a 143 mid to 143 low to potentially win the NCAA title, it's going to yeah. motivate him. Um, John Here's Rivera had a good, good race too for Ole Miss. Just want to shop at that. Yeah. Here's what I'll say. Brandon Miller and Zahafi. The presence of Zahafi, bad for Miller's NCAA aspirations, good for his world championship aspirations. Yes. It'll get him ready. It, it, it will absolutely test him and 
get him even sharper. So even if he doesn't win it outdoors, I still think he'll be able to turn around and a couple weeks later make the team. And it might even make things um, not easier, but he'll be even more prepared because there's 143 guys he's going to be racing for a spot on the team this year. That is a that is a mark where if he hits it, you'd feel good that he can get on the team. And then if he doesn't hit it, it's going to be tough because there's a big bucket of guys who are in that 44 range. You get to 43, smaller group. That's the pod. Like, That's subscribe, it. follow, do your thing. We'll be back here Friday morning, 9 a.m. Making it happen. Central time, yeah. Yeah, uh, if we missed anything, leave it in the chat or send us an email. We, we probably did. Uh, it was just a, a week so a little much. bit off because of, of Boston. So we're kind of uh, trying to get to as much as we could. Did not anticipate the digression into uh, 4x1. Took a, someone said good pod after the first 20 minutes. So I agree. I agree with that. Uh, went the wrong way. But we'll, we'll chat about it all on Friday. Uh, join the pickup contest if you could. Uh, put that, that QR code if you're watching uh, on the video. You can uh, enter to win prizes, of which I'm not sure what they are, but Gordon probably knows. Do you know what the prize yeah. is? Fanatics gift card. Cards? Gift card. There you go. Awesome. All right. Uh, watch all the stuff on the sh- on the site too. The workout Wednesday yes. this week in track. You got the ranking shows coming up as well too, and then another pod on Friday 9 a.m. Central Time, live. Thanks to Colt and Travis. Talk to you guys then.